You're listening to the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic. Hey, good day, everyone. I'm Rob Sparrow of College Volleyball Weekly, and we've got a pre-2023 episode of College Volleyball Weekly. It's a special edition because we've got a bunch of coaching changes that have occurred in just the last few months, and I could not be prouder to announce one of those changes was a friend and a long-time coach in the game, John Hawks. Uh, So many different positions I've seen you in, but I'm excited to see that you've landed your first head coach position in the MEVA, not in the conference that I normally work in, uh, with Loyola University, a powerhouse in the Midwest. John, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. That was uh, quite the introduction and uh, glad you're back at it and getting this uh, men's volleyball thing going again. It's great. Well, you know, I thought I'd start with a good warm-up question for you, but, uh, you know, it's kind of on the silly side, but how was it like playing with Mark Presho, longtime Hawaii <laughs> legend and volleyball superstar? Oh God, Mark the Body Presho. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was super fun. I mean, obviously, Mark and I grew up from essentially kindergarten together. So, um, yeah, he he was real fun to play with. Obviously, a great talent. Um, a pretty medium blocker. Um, I think he thinks he's a better blocker than he was, but uh, um, a fantastic arm and a, a ultra competitor. But uh, yeah, I just had a blast with him, obviously, for a long time. So, well, all great friends. That's why we can have this fun and banter about. I mean, uh, being having the opportunity, the blessed opportunity to travel alongside you guys for a few years some of the greatest entertainment that I've had in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. That bench is, I think with like Sprawl, myself, Presho and Matt Boyce, um, who might be one of the funnier guys out there too. I mean, it was just constant laughing. So it was uh, some good memories. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Well, let's start with uh, your Loyola position. Uh, can you describe for our viewers and listeners your timeline and thought process in leading to your first men's D one, two head coach position there. Hmm. Um, I, I guess we have to go back to the final four last year. So we're, you know, I'm at UCLA, we're hosting the conference tournament that we hosted the national championship. Um, so during the national championship, trying to, I'm trying to go back. So the, I got an email from Holly Strauss O'Brien, who's um, uh, the SWA here at Loyola. And she, texted me and uh, actually sent me an email and asked me if I was interested in the position. And so um, I immediately got back to her and said, yeah, you know, I'm a little busy right now with, uh, with Herman, <laughs> but, uh, but we certainly happy to talk. And she, you know, was saying she was coming out to the tournament to watch and uh, her husband, Tim O'Brien's the MEVA commissioner. So um, he was out there on the, on the championship committee and, I got a chance to talk to him and I just started asking questions about um, with people that I know and I trust and just kind of asking about the program and, and tell me their thoughts and what did they know what happened. And um, I think it, it, I wasn't looking to leave UCLA. It wasn't anything I I ever sought out. Um, But the more I thought about it, the more of the opportunity to get my family back to the Midwest. My wife's from Cleveland. 
Um, she went to college in Chicago and has all her best friends that live here, talked to her, and she obviously got really excited about the potential move. Um, but to be able to, uh, you know, have an opportunity at a program that has such a great tradition, um, those opportunities don't come around that often. So, um, yeah, I think just the, the, that whole process and, and, you know, we, we ended up losing in the, in the semis and, um, I go back to the hotel. I couldn't, I lost my voice. Um, so I went back to the arena for the second match and it was the, the Hawaii match and, um, Hawaii ball state. And, um, Holly was up in the stands and I just went and sat and chatted with her for a couple hours while that match was going on. And essentially it was, is like this interview, I guess. And, um, the got on the phone the next morning with Steve Watson, the AD here, um, and talked with Steve for probably an hour. Um, I couldn't speak. My voice was bad. So it was like, it was, it was interesting. And I'm like, okay, there's no way I'm getting this job, but, uh, yeah, here we are a couple weeks later and I get, get asked to, uh, take the position and, and, um, it was, yeah, I mean, just a whirlwind and I could go through the rest of it, but trying to get your kids out of school and thinking about a potential new city and where we're going to live and where we're going to buy a house. And, you know, you, you can't get your kids in school until you know where you're going to live. I mean, it was just, and trying to hire a staff and get to know the new guys. I mean, it was <laughs> all the while trying to finish up my job at UCLA. So it was, uh, it was uh, quite a whirlwind for sure. Yeah, I can only imagine. Well, you know, the uh, Demi Moore appeal to the scratchy voice is probably what tilted the scales in your favor. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's a pretty quick timeline because uh, the MPSF tournament was the last week of April and uh, you're sitting down after your semifinal match. And that was May 3rd, 4th. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I think I was official. Um I think I was offered the job, I want to say like May 20 something, 25th. Um, mm -hmm. And, and then on June 1st was my first day on the, on campus. And then I stayed um, at UCLA through June 9th was the graduation day. So um, I felt like, I felt like being there for those student athletes that, that I helped bring into that program. It was important that, that I was there for them when they graduated. Um, mm -hmm. So we had a big class that time and, and uh, I was proud of those guys and, and, you know, it was a sad era, but, you know, had to, we, I think the day before we told the UCLA guys that I was, I was uh, taking this position and I met with the whole team and um, I just have a genuine love for that, for that program and all those guys. Um, just got a nice text from Eric last night. Um, that's Eric McHenry for all you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was nice. Just saying that just he misses me. And, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I just have a genuine love for all those guys. I can imagine your contact list because knowing you as long as I have, um, I mean, you connect with all your players and it's beyond just as a athlete, it is definitely as the person. So I know you probably got, uh, yeah, probably a, a Kardashian type following on your, your contact list, like 3 million. Is <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's quite that big, but uh, you're right. I mean, I think that's, that's an important part of it is you like, I think as I've gotten older, um, 
I've learned to, I learned that the important things are those things of that, that relationship. And, um, I have kids now and it's changed me as a coach, I think for the better. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I say that to a lot of the guys now I say, I love you. And they're like, I love you too, Hoxie, you know, and they all have their little nicknames and stuff, but <laughs> I think getting men to say they love you, I think is an important piece to just connecting. And, and it's, it, I just pour my heart and soul into these guys and, and I, I hope that they give that back and most of them do. And um, that I think has just a lot to do with, with my coaching style. Yeah. Um, with that, was there any piece of advice or counsel that you received that allowed you to make this decision comfortably? Yeah, I think the biggest one was obviously from John Spraw. Um, he, he gave me the confidence to know that I was ready for this. And um, he just said, just goes, you got to do this. Like he goes, we'll be okay here. You know? And, and my hesitation was with Spencer leaving to Indiana um, and John going to the VNL uh, or I think it was VNL, the first one um, there wasn't going to be anybody on campus. And, and I was just concerned that um and I voices to him that I didn't want to leave him and leave him alone. And mm -hmm. that was, I think just is I'm a loyal person. And um, yeah, that was my hesitation. He just said, look, he goes, we'll be fine. I'll be okay. And he kind of nudged me to just say, Hey, look, take this, this is good. And um, that was it. You know, it was really just about me getting comfortable with saying yes to doing that. Cause it's a big move. Yeah. Well, it's a great move for you. Definitely career wise. And in a, a the program that you're in two-time national champion, no pressure at all. Right? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, looking at your career, um, you've worked a, a very diverse spectrum of levels in boys and men's volleyball. And I did, I totally overlooked the whole girls volleyball, women's mm -hmm. volleyball aspect of your career, but uh, from Santa Margarita High School to club like Balboa Bay Club to doing USAV high performance type of stuff to national team development team, uh, the junior national teams and uh, to all the D1 teams. And it sounds like you like jumping ship, but in a bunch of places, but I know it's over a long career. UC Irvine, Long Beach State, USC, and finally UCLA and now here. Um, you've always had this winning aura about your resume. How are you able to replicate that at each place that you go and at each level? <laughs> wow um <laughs> i think i think having that many positions to nasa just means that i'm old so uh <laughs> no i i've left for each position i've had you know and i could go back and we don't have time for all this but i've had very good reasons for why i was making a move that i was making and um some of them are personal um but most of them are just like different opportunities and different challenges and I think that to answer your question about how do I replicate the success um I just I'm true to who I am and I think if anybody knows me they know that I coach with my heart on my sleeve and you know exactly how I'm feeling I'm open and honest and direct about communication and where guys stand um with me and on the team and um I think I just go into it with, with this idea of 
playing and it, it it really is synonymous with the mission of Loyola University, which is be a person for others. And uh, I think that's when I saw that and I heard that mission, I think it was really natural for me to want to be here because um, it's how I coach. And I think I take that same philosophy to every single team is about being selfless and playing hard for the guy next to you. And, you know, if you're, if you're thinking of yourself in any moment, then, then we're not in a place where we need to be. So um, all of our training, all of our, every team I've been with, we just focus on, on playing super hard for the guy next to you. And I think the team sort of take on my makeup a little bit, which is, you know, a little bit more like, passion intensity on especially on the defensive side um but yeah i think i just i try to bring i try to stay as current as i possibly can in the game and try to innovate a little bit as much as i can um and i think that brings out that excitement in the guys too so um yeah it's i think that's the best way i can probably describe it rob yep yeah well, the, the next question I have for you is, you know, based on all that experience, what are some of the key takeaways um, that you bring into this position that will probably be um, influential in establishing the core of what's this next season of uh, Loyola? Yeah, key takeaways from like previous programs that I've been at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, I... You know, when I first started with John at Irvine, I I was coaching club and yeah, I had some success there and John hired me thinking I was a teacher and not knowing that, you know, he, he thought I had a full-time job and I wouldn't take it. And we were talking for a few minutes and he goes, Hey, do you, do you want to work here? <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the salary that Mark Pressure and I split is embarrassing, um, <laughs> but uh, we both had full-time jobs and, and John says, Hey, I got a budget of $15,000. And, you know, so Mark and I both made $7,500 <laughs> and, and, and we were, we'd work our full-time job and then we'd show up to practice. And um, I think just the, the first thing, just going from, you know, club in high school to coaching college, I realized that, wow, okay, I can do this. And then, and then I go to SC and I go from a very public school, um, small budget to, to USC, which is essentially no budget and football team and coming off the Reggie Bush era and, you know, Pete Carroll's there. And it was just really exciting for me. Um, on a, I guess it was on a bigger stage, but the team, you know, so we took that team and, you know, brought in some terrific recruits that had some great success. Mm -hmm. And then I got an opportunity to go work with, with Alan at Long Beach and uh, before he took the national team job. And, um, you know, what I learned from Alan is, is, is the, the grit mentality. And I think Long Beach just has that. Um that fit a little bit with me. Um, so I think at that time in my life, it was a great fit. I loved the people I worked with. Andy Reed, obviously amazing person and coach. Mm -hmm. um, Alan's terrific and he's a great friend. And um, I just 
yeah, at that time it was, I learned that, that you can play hard and still have fun. And, um, not to say that Irvine and SC wasn't like that because it was, but, um, I learned a little bit different there and, um, and then going from there to out to Ohio, I, I tried to create a high school academy and, and that was interesting in itself. But, um, and then I go to John and John's just so methodical in how he approaches everything and, and, uh, very detail oriented and, and just, um, a deep, deep thinker. And, uh, he, he's innovative and creative. And um, just so, such a brilliant mind that um, how he prepares teams to to be there at the end is something that I'm definitely taking here. So yeah, yeah. Well, this question I have, I have to ask because you dropped some names and I was like, ah, oh, you know, over there, there's so much history that I'm like, oh, then things that are popping up in my head. But um, you've been exposed to a lot of national team experience um it's natural for me to ask like so national team aspirations at one point i mean i know john Sprah isn't going to be there forever but (laughs) listen i i am not qualified for that position um i think that position you gotta have somebody that understands what it's like to live overseas and what it's like to play professionally and play on that stage and i can represent teams um at the junior level, the youth level, and World University Games and Pan Am Cups, I can do those things. But um, I, yeah, that takes a very special person that uh, can. And I have two young girls. I don't. I'm not going to pretend that <clears throat> that I'm qualified for that job. So I think it's it's to me it's laughable to to even consider or think about. <laughs> um, but I think John Spry is is the best representative we have in this country. And um, yeah, I hope he does it for a long time because I'm proud of him as he's one of my best friends and I love him and, and I know how hard he works. So. um, Well, it's actually an excellent segue into the next question I have for you, but in working with longtime friend and colleague um, UCLA and USA volleyball men's national team coach, John Spira for almost two decades. It may even be longer than that, but according to my math, it's about two decades. Um, can you speak about his influence on your coaching career? Wow. Um, you know, John, John says uh, a long time ago, you know, we, we first met each other and he didn't know who I was. And I really didn't know who he was other than calling him and saying, Hey, I got a player to go to UCLA. You want to take him? And uh <laughs> but that was about the depth of our conversation until we started coaching each other, coaching with each other. And, um, I've just value his friendship, um, more than anything. And I see how hard he works. Um, so what am I going to take away? I'm going to take away his preparation for practice his tip preparation for, uh, uh, game planning. Um, he's, like I said earlier, he's just so detail oriented that, um, you're, he's thinking about um, what servant passes might look like in May and preparing the team in the fall for that experience. And um, 
I know some coaches probably think about that, but the level at which John thinks about it is, um, is different. And mm -hmm. yeah, I've been around some great coaches that all have very unique and very, uh, um, these, these strengths that, that are, that work for them. John is, right. um, incredibly bright. And, you know, I think the, uh, I can never speak like John and, and I tell him this all the time. I hate following him after he speaks to the team. Cause it's like, if you're a fan of Ted talks, I am John gives a Ted talk once a month. And it's like these incredible talks that you just go, wow, I can't believe it. And the guys have no idea what they're hearing, you know, like it's just, mm -hmm. They they understand him and they get it, but they don't realize how special some of those those conversations are. Um, uh, yeah, so I can't do that. I, I wish I could, but uh, but yeah, I'm just going to take the preparation and the the level of detail that John thinks about the game and his very system oriented. So um, I've taken on some of that a little bit, and um, yeah, I think it's probably natural to think that what we're going to do here at Loyola is very similar to what we did at UCLA and, and Irvine and how we treated teams and practice it and, and the practice design and all that stuff. So um, I'd be a fool not to do it because John's had so much success. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, looking at the different men's D one, two programs you've been at, the cultures are all really different from Irvine, which was the the blue collar mentality and um, the the building of the four pillars that that John originally came in with. I'm sure you can Google it somewhere. I know them, but I'm not going to say them and go into detail here. And then to jump over to versus USC and Long Beach, and then back to UCLA and and meeting the most current team of the UCLA guys, even the Mike Ma and and Christian Hessnauer guys. There's like a different culture there than there was versus the UC Irvine guys of the mid 2000s, uh, early to mid 2000s. So. How have you been able to adapt to each one of those cultures and kind of um, be within that coaching system? Mm. I caught you off guard there. So yeah, no. um, <laughs> yeah, you didn't prep me with that question, Rob. Come on. Um, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, every program, you're right, has their own identity. And Irvine at the time when John got that job and then hired me, Irvine was one of the last place teams in the conference. And as a guaranteed beach trip is what Spraw told me. <laughs> it, it, it was. And I think teams looked at that, at that match is like, okay, this is a no, we're getting a three, a win, no problem. Well, I think we went in and changed the way the guys played. And, um, you know, it's funny to think the things we changed, but, uh, we went in and instantly went 10 and 0 and we're number one in the country for a team that was in last place the year before. So we, we had talent. We got these guys exposed to a different level and um, the guys didn't necessarily know how to win. So we had to teach them how to win and get them to buy in and believe. And, um, and that was a fun turnaround, you know, like five years later, they won a title. So um the gosh how do you change culture um i think you just have to be true to who you are and 
you know, good people are good people wherever you go, right? So I think mm-hmm. if you're selfless and you're a great teammate and you're a guy that's going to uh, devote your time academically and not socially, uh, meaning like you're not out at the frat parties and going nuts. Um, <laughs> we've seen a you've lot heard of heard about, you've never been to, you've just heard about sure. it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, the, the, I think just getting guys to be all in, I think is part of what every team wants. Right. So, um, gosh, I'm, I'm going all over the place and I'm, yeah, not it, I usually it, don't want to throw those kind of questions in there, but I just, I, as I was listening to your response, I'm like, wow, you've been through like four different teams with four different cultures and, and you're able to be successful there at each of them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. your adaptability seems like it's a pretty phenomenal thing. <laughs> I, think, I think being an assistant coach is, is takes a talent. You know, I think some assistant coaches really want to go in there and like prove that, Hey, it's, it's on me and I'm the guy. And, I'm the reason for this. I mean, I think I've always taken the approach that um, my boss, whoever the head coach is, you know, that's who I'm listening to. And I understand the directive and I understand the goal. And I understand that, that, you know, having an emotional intelligence like that, that this is, this is where he wants the program to go. And I'm going to be loyal and buy into that. Now, if I have, I have like, thoughts and differences of opinion on certain things, then that's what we talk about behind closed doors mm-hmm. and, um, and share those healthy discussions about the direction of the program. And um, the beautiful thing about being with John the last, you know, bunch of years, seven or eight years um, was that he, he was so busy with his national team stuff, but he gave me a ton of responsibility and autonomy to, make decisions and um, act as the head coach while he was gone. And um, so I know I don't have the head coach resume other than the youth national teams and junior national teams and things like that. But um, I feel like that's what prepared me for this program. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this and I'm excited. And, and uh, I, I owe a lot of that credit to, the people I've worked with. Yeah. Now, if I do recall correctly, um, with his national team commitments, you actually were on the men's roster for some consultant uh, duties during VNL or Vol- uh, Volleyball Nations League and World League, I believe. Because I remember, because I'm working the events, I'm seeing you there, like, oh, I'm a consultant coach. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, I, I've been in and out of a lot of it. Um, my my first official staff member was with Alan. So Alan got the job when I was with Long Beach. And then the guys are coming off the gold medal in Beijing. So 2009. So I worked with the VNL full time in um, well, it was World League at the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that was in 2009. And that was an incredible summer working with yeah. you know, the the greats. I mean, it was just <clears throat> awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a lot of fun, you know, traveling yeah. and experiencing just different cultures and uh, playing against, you know, Jiva and, and <laughs> some of these incredible, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it was incredible. And yeah. 
you know, walking in an elevator and I mean, Rob, you know, I'm not a tall guy, but they, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so you see, you see these seven foot five guys from Russia yep. stepped in the elevator and I'm like, goodness, <laughs> you don't see those guys in college. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you another question about uh, your relationship with John, but I mean, we obviously see this, this coach and this person uh, at UCLA, at USA uh, men's national team, but um, what can you share about him off the court uh, that isn't seen by the average volleyball fan or person? Hmm. Uh, John is an extremely loyal, dedicated friend, and he's got a pr pretty small um, inner circle. I think he keeps his inner circle pretty small, um, but once you're in it, you think you you're in it for life. And um, so that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, is how hard he works and the dedication he has to, to his family, to USA Volleyball, to UCLA, to First Point Foundation, to the growth of men's volleyball, starting the HBCUs. And, um, you know, he's, he, he's working really two full-time jobs and his day is not, um, his day doesn't, like end at eight hours you know it's like he so when he's at ucla he will stay he'll stay at the office you know two three nights a week and um he's up till midnight working on things and he'll get up in the morning like if he's driving to ucla he'll be in the car for two hours he'll call his national team guys overseas because the timing works um <clears throat> but the man is all in on on both programs and uh nothing you know i think some people might think that he uh isn't putting enough on on both sides and i completely disagree i've been on the inside and the how hard he works and his commitment to both teams and his players is uh remarkable and i don't know how he does it i really don't um he's got an amazing wife uh, Michelle, who um, is the rock of that of that family, and um, mm -hmm. John couldn't do it without her, you know. So the, it's it's I don't know. Just watching John and his preparation for everything, there isn't a stone that's not unturned. And um, I just really respect how hard he works, and I know that that I hope the general public realizes that this man cares so much and he bleeds um, red, white, and blue when he's with the USA team and he bleeds blue and gold for that <laughs> UCLA team. So um, yeah, no, listen, he puts a lot of trust in a lot of people. And, you know, we talked about the reason he can do it is because he surrounds himself with great people. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm humble, you know, that I got a chance to work with him and, I know that, you know, with the USA team with Mike Wall and Furbringer and Andrea Becker and the, you know, Brian Thornton and the the amazing staffs that he's had along the way. Um, yeah, he couldn't do it without that support system. So, yeah, I, well, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, seeing all the people that he's brought in, though, I mean, they've been some of the most phenomenal people who've only contributed exponentially to the game. I mean, you mentioned Dr. Andrea Becker or Bex, how we like to call her and how she impacted the game in such a short amount of time. Uh, 
without even really knowing about volleyball. Yeah, she's, she's incredible. What I mean, that's like I go to the ABC convention and and I would go, I'd pay that just to go listen to her talk. And you know, last year she was with us uh, with our UCLA team, and I got a chance to sit in the hotel lobbies with her for hours just listening to her talk about her approach and mental side of the game. And um, I I just am so lucky that I've been surrounded by people like her and. Even the the Pan Am teams I've coached with Rick McLaughlin and mm-hmm. um, I've just been surrounded by just tremendous people and I've been so blessed and lucky um, and I'm happy to still call them all friends. Yeah. Let's go in from your past, your history, and your resume to today uh, and your new position in your new office, which is really nice, by the way. <laughs> you spun the camera around earlier. Some good <laughs> stuff in there. <laughs> um, but you step into a very highly recognized, highly reputable program, two-time national champion program at Loyola. What expe- expectations do you have for your team in 2023? Well, expectations are such a great, I mean, it's, it's like that double-edged sword. Um, (laughs) I, yes, I want to win. And, and I think there's a process that happens through, through that. And um, we're in the beginning stages of it where guys are still starting to get to know us as a staff and they're, they're trying to get to know me and try to impress me and, and be really good in the gym and off the court. And um, yeah, the expectations, like Rob Osley, I want to get better every day. And I know it's cliche to say that. Um, and I think if we can do that stuff and we can add all those little tiny things up, then it will add to up to a thing. And there's no guarantee that we'll be there at the end, but um, I think the guaranteed, Rob, is that we're going to fight like mad to be there. And we're going to do everything we possibly can to put ourselves in a position to win conference tournaments and get to the final fours and put ourselves in a, cha- in a position to win championships like they did in 14 and 15. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 doable. Um, I think every program has uh their thought about what they want to accomplish in the season. And and for us, it's definitely go out there and represent ourselves to the best we can and, um, and put ourselves in a position to be able to compete for national championships. Yeah. Well, in the short amount of time that you've been on staff now, you've been able to assemble a highly talented and reputable staff in former Pepperdine assistant, Scott Kevorkin, uh, mastermind of the UMO powerhouse in the Conference Carolinas, Alihi Keohu. I butchered his name, and I've been like bragging that I, I love saying his name. Um, and <laughs> a volunteer assistant whom a lot of people are very familiar with, a uh, two-time national champion from Loyola and former USA men's national team member, Thomas Jeske, who, congratulations, just finished his bachelor's degree, I found out, in That's finance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how did you do that? And um Share a little bit about each of the guys and how you came across the bring them on board. I well, is it is it breaking news that Thomas is a former men's national team player? I I think it might be. I I just assumed that he wasn't going to be. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that's okay. Not uh, former then. I take that back. Yeah. <laughs> um and and maybe this is a conversation with Thomas. I'm gonna probably stay out of this, but uh <laughs> the uh okay, so hiring a staff, I think is is exactly like recruiting, you know. So you're I was going through this process and I'm like trying to discover, okay, I know all the things I can do. Um, and I've done probably everything that there is from a responsibility standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the things that I need to give up? And so I went through that process of figuring out my strengths, my personality, uh, what my weaknesses are and how I can best get people on staff that can fill that void, um, or enhance, um, you know, what I do. Right. So, uh, Scott Kevorkin obviously won two national championships at Irvine. Um, I coached him on the junior national teams. I'm very familiar with him as a person. Um, I know his family really well. I recruited him, um, <laughs> not to Irvine, but I recruited him at different universities and, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I just know the value that he brings as a person. And, um, I want him like he connects so well with kids and um, that was, that was to me a no brainer. And then I did a lot of research on Lee. Um, I knew, I know a lot of people that know him. Um, so I talked to them. I asked them who he was, like what's his personality. And the, one of the comments that uh, Theo made, Theo played with him at Northridge Um <laughs> said that once you're once you're uh tight with lee you'll be a, he'll be a friend for life and um i talked to lee i went through that whole process of just kind of interviewing guys i talked to about 30 different coaches wow. and um, i i narrowed it down to these guys and once you you hire one staff then it it you kind of narrows down the focus for the other person right because then mm-hmm. you're going okay now i need this skill set and um, the fact that Elise run his own program for four years and really did it by himself um, it was was to me so impressive and the level that he got his teams to play at. And now that I've gotten to know him, I've been working in the gym with these guys for the last month. And um, mm-hmm. I'm just so impressed with who they are as people. Um, and then you add Thomas to the mix. Um, Ali knew Thomas. I've known of Thomas and obviously I've heard about Thomas and um, the, the, it was a no brainer for us. You know, we found out he was in town and we, we made a call and he's absolutely all in for this program and uh, has been tremendous about, you know, helping us bring back what was so great about this program before. And um you know, this championship standards that we talk about a lot. And, you know, these guys, there's only one kid on the roster that's been to a final four. And that was Nick Martinsky, who's a transfer from ball state um, <laughs> grad transfer. So, you know, we're trying to, as a staff, we're trying to teach these guys how to behave and model themselves to be a champion. And it doesn't happen overnight, you know, so you know, having Thomas in the gym that has that Olympic experience and um, he's been around the, the the best and he's done it here. So um, what a powerful tool, you know, yeah. so I'm, I, I can be more pleased with this staff. Yeah. 
all class act. And even Thomas Jeske, when I first met him in 2015, after the uh, national championship match against Lewis, that barn burning fifth set extended and watching him play in that national championship, he just went to a new level. And the fact that he's on the USA men's national team and seeing what he's been doing there on the international level is phenomenal. And he's just a great guy. So uh, it right. doesn't right. surprise me. He ended up on your staff. If he's in the, in the neighborhood, why not? Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, now, it may be a little too early for this question, but um, can you discuss the makeup of your 2023 team so far? I know that guys are still getting back. People have gone into the, the portal. It's loved by some, hated by others, but you know, it's just the, the reality of this, this time in history. So, um, But I'm sure that our listeners and viewers are, gosh, what's this team going to look like with a new coach? Well, I think, I mean, I think we're going to play a different style of volleyball that um, I know that what we've introduced to the guys is, um, is a lot different and, you know, volleyball is volleyball. So I'm not going to say that, that we're groundbreaking in, in this. We're not trying to change the the game at all. We're just doing things different than the programs used to. And um, they're all drinking through a fire hose with, with you know, trying to ex- absorb new system stuff and terminologies and um, all while going to class, you know, and, and doing the things that are, are stressful in their daily lives. So um, what's the makeup? I think we're, we're pretty deep in some positions. I think at left side, um, we've got, you know, Cole Slothauer, Colton Brooks, um, Jackie Entz was a, was a, a libero last year but he's got a phenomenal arm. Um, you've got Nick Martinsky, who transferred in as a starting outside here at Ball State. So we've got some depth there. And then you think about the freshmen um, that are behind him. And I don't want to name all the guys, I think, right? because I don't want to leave somebody out. Um, yeah. But they're all talented and they all have a, a, a special skill set that they bring to the practice gym. Um, mm-hmm. At opposite, we got a pretty special player in Parker Van Buren. Um, Parker's played international or played with the U S team this summer. And, um, I got great reports back from Andy Reed about him and Parker's just, a a very special kid who I think is, is going to carry a load for us. Um, at the setting position, I think we've got, you know, three talented guys and in, in, um, uh, Dan Mangun, who I think is probably, you know, the, the guy who might be leading the position right now. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. tight. Uh, Brian Voigt, who's been with us. And then um, uh, a freshman and Ryan McElliott, who's, who's done a nice job as a, mm-hmm. as a coming guy. So I think we're okay there in the middle position. We're, we're, we're probably a little thin in numbers, <clears throat> excuse me, a um, little thin in numbers at that position. But, um, but I, I like our talent. I like what we're doing in the gym. And, um, and that's, I'm, I'm very pleased um, yeah. with the direction of the program. And then at Libero, I think we're okay there. We have freshmen that came in and we have a, a Matt Oakley, who's a returner. So um, yeah, I think that the depth, if our team is good because they're challenging our guys daily, um, we're going to play, as I described earlier, we're going to play selfless and hard mm-hmm. and, and uh, we're going to give teams fits. That's for sure. Yes. Cause we're not going to roll over. Um, that's not who I am. And um, I think what we're going to be about is about competing really, really hard, having a lot of fun in this gym mm-hmm. 
and uh, and and playing for each other. And I think that good things can happen when you do all three. Yep. Now, um, in regards to competition, we got to ask this one, but I have to share a little story because I've been talking with you last week. Um, there seems to be a very special relationship with other coaches in the Miva. Um, you'd mentioned a golf tournament you played in, but uh, what is, <laughs> you know, I know you know what I'm talking about, but I just thought it was funny, but what's the relationship like with the other coaches, even with the uh, Chicago rival, Dan yeah, Fran at Lewis? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's nice when you, when you're recruiting against all these people over the many years that we've all been doing it, um, you develop really good bonds and different bonds with, with coaches, but what I've been impressed with about being in the Miva is just the the tight little knit group that these guys have. They're proud of the Miva. Um, they uh, and I say guys, and obviously we have Karen Kemner and, and Nikki Sandlin who um, are terrific people. Um, but I mean guys in the sense that just coaching yeah. colleagues, right? So um, I've been impressed with just how tight they are and how proud they are of their of their conference, and we. Um, I think we're just we're in a situation where I think that that just we're all friends and and that's pretty neat to see even though we're competing against each other. So um, I'm proud to be here and and being a part of this conference. I think it's it's exciting for me. Yeah, well, from a competition standpoint, like you know, being that you're the new guy to the party, uh, what's your sense on what's happening in the Miva competition wise? Like who's going to be good again? Who's rising up? Uh, who may have a redevelopment year, if you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, um, and 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 I don't have a uh, this wide breadth of experience in the Miva, so I mean, and that's we, what makes this great. I love this perspective because you're the new guy to the party. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I think you have to put Ohio State as um, as a favorite in the conference. I think you do just based on on who they have. I know they lost their one of their players to, to another program. And, um, uh, but they've got Jacob Pestur and they've got um, good setting in there. They've got two gigantic middles. Um, I know Kevin Burst does such a nice job there. Then you have, you know, Donan who's got his ball state crew in the final four in his first year. And um, I don't know what they have. I think, I mean, I know they have uh, Caleb Jenis uh, who's, yep real nice player um but they lost their setter and um you know so you don't know what's going to happen there i think dan at lewis is is um you know he lost tyler mitchum um but dan always has talent and dan reloads and um they're going to be good they're going to be good too um i know nikki at mckendry lost quite a bit of players from what I I'm in, I'm gathering. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know what position they're going to be in. I know a couple of recruits she has coming in and they're talented um, and she always does such a good job. And um, you know, Joe at Lindenwood and Karen at Quincy um, rock at PFW rocks and have a nice solid crew too. Um, he lost a few guys to the transfer portal, but um I think it's going to be a pretty even conference, but I, I'd have to put the, I'd have to say that Ohio State is probably the favorite in the conference. Yeah. We got some new news this year at, for this upcoming season. Queens University comes in the Miva team. So, yeah. I, I mean, great stuff. I mean, love seeing these independent teams coming in. So growing the game for sure in different That's areas right. in the United States. 
Yeah, so. it's a little bit, a little bit of a trip for all of us, but um, <laughs> but certainly worth it because you know, when you time you can add teams to your conference, I think is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna. I know this is could be a loaded question, but just uh, gotta look. If we're looking at the MIVA, how about the rest of the NCAA? Like, if if there are three teams to keep an eye for, eye out for for the basic fan, who would they be? Oh, um, I think you've got to obviously consider Hawaii. You know, Hawaii is going to be their, their two-time defending champions and, and what they're doing in that program, I think, is is special. Um, Long Beach is going to be good. Obviously, I think I'm, I'm my heart's for UCLA. Obviously, I, I love every single one of those guys, and I think they can do it. Um, you know, it's, it's goes back to that, that word expectation, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the, we all expect those teams to be there at the end, but there's no guarantees, um, which is why we all kind of put the uniform on and strap it up, you know, because I think that it's anybody can win on a given night and there's more parity around the country, but, uh, but to name those three, I think Long Beach, UCLA and, and, um, Hawaii, I think are the obvious three. Um, I think Irvine's going to be better. There's going to be a lot of teams that are good. Um, now, where they fall, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but but I'm I'm I, I think that those three teams probably are the leaders of the pack right now. Yeah, it's such you you'd said it in your comment though. There definitely is a ton of talent, and we still don't know officially how teams are going to look. Yeah, we still have fall season to look at, but there are some new faces showing up in in new places. So yeah. uh, who can impact programs? Because we know there are some international names have come in. There's some transfers in the portal. You just don't know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, you think like, I mean, Grand Canyon's going to be great, and you know, Matt Worley's a terrific friend of mine, and and I know he's he's got so much pride in that program, and they're going to be a handful. Um, you know, they got one of the PFW transfers, uh, Rico Wardlow in the middle. And, um, you know, I, I just, I mean, yeah, I, I can go on and on about specific teams, but um, I'm <laughs> yeah. excited to see what John does at Pepperdine. And, uh, you know, Jeff's got a good thing going. Did you going coach Winder his... at Pepperdine at one point? I coached him in, I coached him in club at Belleville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do, except Balboa Bay Club. I'm like, wait a second, there, there probably was overlap there. Yeah. So he, so I coached him for two years and then he was my assistant at Balboa for three years while he was at Pep. So John, Jonathan is, is a tremendous person and I love him. Well, I mean, we'll be having him on uh, one of the episodes here with our new faces and new places of college volleyball weekly since uh, awesome. we're going to have Donan Cruz of Ball State. And then hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll divulge some of the secrets uh, that you can work off of. And he's probably pulling from here from yours so and then winter uh hopefully within the next few days but awesome. um as always i like to, to throw some uh, opportunities for viewers and, and and listeners to ask you guys questions and uh pulled one from volley talk and another from uh instagram so um the one from volley talk is um i'm gonna only focus on the one but or two uh, what can be done to get men's volleyball on tv more often Oh, geez. Um, I think we have to continue to put out a great product. Um, I think the men's coaches across the country, I think we need to take our programs really serious. Um, and, and 
push to get our teams on TV. Um, I think there's tends to be a little bit more of a laid back approach um, mm-hmm. to men's volleyball and, and we're, we definitely are, are behind in women's volleyball and women's beach. Um, but I think, I think if we can do some things to get uh, some double headers going with the women in the fall and do some things to expose a, a larger fan base to what men's volleyball is doing, I think it'd be a pretty cool thing. Um, but again, we have to, we have to figure out how to um, just get in front of a bigger stage. And, and I don't know how that is exactly. So wish I had a better answer, but I don't. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, actually one of the, the responses you had, um, <clears throat> the double headers is a great idea. Like a team that I work for is playing one of the teams that you named that's in the hunt here in the next few weeks. And it's going to be with our women's volleyball team. So uh, yeah. um, I, I suspect that'll be a sold out match because last time they were here, it was near a sellout in yeah. a 5,000 seat arena. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I think that's the way we go. And I think that, that you're seeing it with, um, some teams going out to Texas and playing in Austin. Um, you know, I think we got to get to Omaha. We got to play in front of Nebraska fans and we got to get up to Minnesota and play in front of Minnesota fans. And um, I think if men's we, exhibition at the women's national championships, I think why not? They do the Under Armour or that the high school um, yeah. <laughs> phenom match. So why not have men's there? I agree. I think it's, it's, it's an untapped thing and we haven't been able to figure out the timing of it. And, you know, with out of in, in the fall season, we're only allowed to travel a certain distance to play, but, you know, I think the NC2A should allow some exceptions that, uh, you know, travel exceptions to allow us to go play in front of bigger fans and grow our game. Yeah. Great suggestions by no, uh, without a doubt. Next question from Volley Talk. I, I had to ask it because it's kind of funny. I'm like, I always got to give props to our Hawaii uh, Volley Talk followers because <laughs> you know it's a Hawaii fan. So it's favorite place to play away matches other than UH. I'm like, that's got to be a Hawaii fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, UH is no doubt fun to go play in, but um, I think I think there's a lot of places that are great to play. And I'd, I'd say first that comes to mind is BYU just because of the the amount of fans. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a great place to play. I think Irvine's been fun to play um, at because they have such a good following. So just hey, just because I work there doesn't mean you have to drop it. Okay, I know, I know, I'm kissing <laughs> you by a little bit, but uh, no, we. I mean, I, I'd I'd say just BYU. I think the 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 things you know playing there is so hard to win, and the fans are right on top of you, and but they're 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 good people, and. Um, yeah, that's a, That's probably what I'd say, BYU, just because it's so hard to win there. Yep. Excellent. Final question for you from Instagram. How do you create a culture when one has been firmly established? I think you have to honor the tradition and honor the past, um, the guys that have been through the program. But I think with, with culture, it can easily go awry. Um, so you have to nurture it and constantly be thinking about culture every single day. Um, so how do you change it? I think you just, again, it goes back to, I said this before, I just have to stay true to who I am and openly and honestly communicate with, with 
the players about the direction I want our program to go and solicit their their help and get their take on what they want for their program because it's really I want the guys driving the ship I don't want to drive it um, mm -hmm. I want to facilitate and I want to um, lead and I want to give uh, direction and make make decisions when those need to be made but um, I want the guys to be the driving force behind where we go and that's through hard work and dedication in the gym and getting extra reps and pounding video and um, watching their nutrition and making great choices off the court. Um, I think all of it happens um, because you have strong leaders within your program. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think you have to have strong leadership on your staff to help direct and lead, have those, those young men learn through failure sometimes about how to direct and lead their programs. So um, if culture can be changed, but it has to be changed, I think from within too, right? The players have to want to change and recognize when certain things in their, in their past have, have led them down the wrong path. Right. And um, like every program goes through it, but, but to answer the, the question again, I think it's just about, really spending the time to nurture that culture and 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 treat it you know like it's i don't know like it's a little baby you gotta really gotta just constantly um oversee it and work it yeah well, all good stuff um i wanted to have one plug because you did in one of your suggestions in your previous question first point challenge is going to be in january i believe the 19th and 20th in austin texas um, we'll be helping out with that event. And I definitely want to get some eyes on that event. Um, one of your teams from your conference is going to be there, Lewis, Pepperdine. Oh gosh. The other two teams are escaping me. Stanford, Penn state. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, four solid teams, but definitely want to help out in that effort as well. Cause like we want to get more eyes on men's volleyball and we think that's a great showcase and do so. Um, as details come down, I'll, definitely put it out on my social and on the podcast if I have some guests on, but uh, wanted to thank John for coming on and I ain't always a great friend and it's been great following your career. Even though you've been jumping all over, well, not all over to Hawaii or Hawaii, Ohio, back to <laughs> California and seeing all the things you've been doing for USA. It's, it's truly an honor to call you friend and see you uh, rise up through the ranks of uh, collegiate men's volleyball. I appreciate you, Rob. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, Let's I'd play. love having you on. I'll have you on again for sure. So uh, right. I'm looking forward to the men's season. Oh, I, I forgot to ask this one question, though. Um, what's uh, going on for the fall season for the uh, Ramblers? Anything uh, competition-wise? Yeah, we're playing. Uh, we've got a small scrimmage uh, coming up, just a two-team scrimmage against uh, Dominican University, a local team. Uh, it's funny where my wife went to college. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have a lot of fans there. But uh, that'll be fun to get started at the end of the month. And then we have uh, PFW. We're in a tournament there against Ohio State and a few others. Um, we're at Lewis in a tournament there. Mm -hmm. And then we're doing an alumni event. And um, we've got a big, uh, big crew that's uh, coming out for this because I think they're all – I'm excited to get to meet the alumni. Uh, some of them for the first time. I've played golf with a bunch of them. I uh, got to hear their take on on – the direction they want to see the program. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to meet a bunch of them. And uh, that's, that's going to wrap up our fall. Awesome. 
Well, again, John Hawks, head coach, Loyola University of Chicago. Looking forward to season one here. And a special thanks to our volley talkers and Instagrammers for their questions. And uh, looking forward to see what comes up here in 2023.